This is a check, one, two, three. Uh, audio check, how do I sound, Zane? Sound pretty good. Hello, this is Zane LaRue. Gonna use the last name this time, Dickinson. Don't always do that, uh-oh. Uh, that song you just heard was from a band called Moon Mission Death Squad, and this is Indie Cred Podcast. Colin? <laughs> yeah, that's all the, That's all the stuff. I'm Colin. Um, we never do that kind of intro. Yeah, that is the weirdest intro we've ever done. Yeah. It's never sounded like that yeah. before. Uh, Zane, why don't you just go ahead and introduce our guest and we can move on past that weird... Today in the garage, we have my good friend Dan Bowen, who we just met working together on a television series called Alaska, The Last Frontier. Absolutely. Uh, Dan... Thank you for having me. This is yeah, great. This welcome, is my man. first podcast. Really? Yeah. I've contributed to a lot, but this is the first time I'm a guest. Nice, man. Well, welcome. I'm Happy excited. to have you in the garage. Thank you. This is quite the place. I was telling Zane, I'm like, wow, I've really made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I laughed at that. That's pretty good. Um, practice, practice, practice. Right? You could end up in a cluttered garage. 10,000 hours later, you're in here with us. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I opened the garage for him, and he, he got the whole experience. Yeah, oh, that's a fun of The fresh paint smell, because I just painted it mm-hmm. here. But Dan, outside of uh, being a story producer for Alaska Last Frontier, is a magician and also just line produced his first feature. Yes, indeed. You just did that like two weeks ago. Yeah, I think we wrapped, uh, yeah, wrapped about a week ago. We shot a film in 12 days. Nice. Feature length, huh? Feature length. Wow. It'll be 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was intense. It's really hard. (laughs) Turns out it's really hard to shoot an entire film with a micro budget and a micro crew yeah. in 12 days. How big was the crew? Like talking like 12 people or something like that? Uh, probably less than that. Wow. Yeah. That's tiny. What was the cast like? Well, it was all in one location, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it was shot at a warehouse in La Puente. And uh, then the owner of that warehouse also owned a restaurant that we shot at. And then we shot at one of the cast members' apartments. Okay. Was that the restaurant where you used the sign for Force Perspective? Uh, I saw oh, your no. Facebook post about that. No, no, that was a that was a different thing that we did. Okay. we we needed a, a fast food restaurant location, mm-hmm. and we didn't have the time or the money or the budget for it. So we did like a little camera force perspective trick. So it makes it look like cast members are coming out of a restaurant, but the restaurant is just a little tiny sign. Oh, okay, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it. The miniature sign was yeah. pretty sweet. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, uh, that's cool. So in case anybody listening doesn't know, what exactly uh, does a line producer do on a movie? Because we've had some, like, we've had a lot of actors and, like, directors and things where the name is, like, obvious. But So what's a, what's a line producer do? Line producer is a person that's really in charge of the budget and figuring out you have X number of dollars. How can you do this in this many days? Yeah. And it's really the nuts and bolts of uh, a production. Um, but I mean, on this thing, I was also the line producer. I was most of the production department. I was art swing. I was a coordinator. I was, you know, everything. So it was like, there was no challenge that was too, uh, no test that was too small for me on this. Nice. That's awesome. Sounded like you guys had fun. It was a lot of fun. I was following. Looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) During it, it just seemed like a headache. There there were a few nights that were a little, uh, we kind of lost our mind. Yeah, just from lack of sleep and from working 17 hours a day. Mm -hmm. What's the name of this one? It's called Automation. Uh, It's about a robot that gets a job at a factory and uh, starts taking away workers' jobs. 
and then later finds out <laughs> that he is being replaced with another robot, and he goes a little insane. Yeah. Yes. I so love like, that. That's I'm like... Um, uh, what am I thinking of? What was that... Um, Movie about the, I want to say it was Michael Keaton back in the 80s. It was like the Ford factory, and they get bought by a Japanese company, and all the really efficient Japanese workers come in and like take all their jobs. Did you see that one? No, I did not. Am I the only, what is it called? I wish I had seen it. I love Michael Keaton. It's a good movie. It might be Michael Keaton. It might entirely not be. I have no idea now. (laughs) It's not Michael Keaton. Are we moving on again? No, no, no. (laughs) I want to find out what this is. I'm not going to pull up my phone to look it up, though. Yeah. Oh um, man! Automation. So it's kind of short circuit meets office space. It's cool. a, not so much a horror film, although there's you know gore. There's some gore in it, but mm-hmm. um, not even gore. Just people die. Yeah. But um, some tense. It's moments. not like some tense moments. It's yeah. more of a sci-fi thriller. I like okay. that kind of stuff. Yeah. It sounds cool. Are uh, you having anything to do with post? Uh, not really. I have to write a few more checks, but that's it. Uh, we have a great writer, director, producer, Gato Setien, who is the trailer editor for Lionsgate. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, he wrote this whole thing, and uh, since he directed it, he's going to be editing it, which makes will make the assembly process, I think, pretty easy. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, because so, we have our cut due in about five months. So, wow. Um, yeah, it should be pretty good. That's Yeah, that's about as quick a turnaround as you can expect. 12 mm-hmm. days to shoot, five months to cut, and yes. get it out the yeah. door. That's... Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. Um, yeah, I want to hear from you after that, after the info. I'll have to check back in with you. Sure, oh, certainly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I'm, we're working on another film, so uh, yeah, good oh, things are on the pipeline. That's rad. Yeah. Are you going to be taking on more tasks on this one, or is it like, we did good this way, let's keep it this way? You know, you learn, uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll have a little bit of a bigger budget so I can delegate some more tasks. Yeah, yeah. Which would be helpful. Yeah. 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 The dream. Absolutely. <laughs> Outside of line producing your first film, though. So I remember we were talking at lunch one day or something, and I talked about working at Ridiculousness. And you're like, oh, yeah, one time I made an illusion for Rob Deerdick. Yes. I was like, wait, what? I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't even know that you worked with him. Um, Rob Deerdick um, was producing a series of commercials for Lunchables. Okay. Those little Lunchable things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they called me, and I built a Lunchable that would actually float, and it would fly around the room. Okay. So uh, there's a whole commercial, which you can find on YouTube, uh, Lunchables Uploaded or something. And, uh, yeah, it's Rob, and he makes a Lunchable float, and it floats through his hands and everything. I love uh, that they do that with a practical effect. It's a practical in effect. A, like, in a Lunchable commercial, you figure they would have all the budget in the world. Because yeah. commercial budgets are insane. Oh, yeah. But uh, this was practical, and it, it always it looks much better. Yeah. It really looks yeah, better. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I saw the commercial because I, I saw that you had posted it previously or whatever, and it's pretty sweet. Like, it's a cool mm-hmm. effect. Yeah. Uh, and no post-production work on it whatsoever. That looks the same in person as it does on camera. That's, that's awesome. <clears throat> I want to learn how to do some stuff like that. I'm, working, I'm, trying to, I'm building a hologram right now. That's like my latest thing. It's like I want to make an actual hologram. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, is it like a Pepper's Ghost? Do you know what the Pepper's Ghost is? It's like no. the principle that's used in the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. Okay. Yeah. I don't know it. It's like a lot of people think that that's a hologram illusion and it's not. It's basically like if you were, if you go to a window at night and you're holding a candle, you'll see a re- ghostly reflection of yourself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, in the mirror, in the window. And that's basically what's going on at, uh, in the Disneyland thing. Okay. 
So it's a light source in front of basically she, a piece you, of glass. You know, the shoot glasses there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what I'm doing in a sense. Oh, okay. So there's people who build it on an iPad um, where they'll take like plexiglass and build basically an upside down pyramid. And then they have the image four times mirrored and uh, they put the plexiglass on and it merges. Yeah, that's, that's a real hologram. Yeah. 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 That's so, pretty neat. I'm really into that stuff. So I'm going to, this giant TV you're looking at, I'm going to build one on this thing. Oh, wow. I don't know what it's going to look like. We'll see. But yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited. Well, I wonder if the contour of the glass, because, all right, so we're looking at a very old, like, uh, tube TV tube yeah. TV right now. Um, and, like, the contour of the glass, do you think that'll be a problem with projecting the image? Does it have to be a flat screen? Uh, we're going to find that out. But um, <laughs> I'm going to, I have, I have a TV in my bedroom that's roughly the same size that is a flat screen. Mm-hmm. So I'll be able to use whatever I build for either. So we'll be able to work it out either way, but you're into the you're into magic and and that whole thing, and I want to know more about that. How did you even start? In yeah, it? I mean that's my that's how I got my start. When I was five years old, I got a magic kit for Christmas, okay. uh, the Super Doe magic kit. I was really into play doh as a kid, and I <laughs> learned everything in that kit, and uh, really took it seriously. Yeah. Um, and my parents started getting me. Mag- a subscription to Magic Magazine, and I started getting professional magic tricks, and I started doing shows. I did sc- shows for my school, and then it that moved what into... What age was the first show? Uh, five. Oh, that's wow. amazing. Yeah. Okay. God, <laughs> five-year-old magician. I wanna, <laughs> like, I want to see that show, but do I? I do. <laughs> How long but, was your set at five? Did you have, like... You were about ten minutes. Yeah, (laughs) for the entire show. That's pretty good, though. Yeah, it was probably pretty bad. I remember it being good. Yeah. Oh, sure. (laughs) Probably blew the doors off of that place. The classmates were very supportive. Yeah, and the school was very supportive of it. Where did you grow up? South Windsor, Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. What's What's the deal with South Windsor, Connecticut? It's cold. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like being cold. No, no, no. I like the cold, all right, but I don't really like being cold. I like looking well, out into cold, but I like being warm. Yeah, I don't even in... like that anymore. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Oklahoma cold, no offense, doesn't compare to... I've been to Connecticut. Oh, no. And like, that's, East that's Coast horrible. cold and Chicago cold. Like, that's... It's yeah. worse. Yeah. We've had ice storms, but also they go away in, like, a day. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're not, like, forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're probably... I don't think we have as much wind going down either. <laughs> Yeah, and I went to school in Chicago for a year and a half. And okay, that was that was brutal. Yeah, you know that's negative fifteen in January. Mm-hmm. It's like you walk backwards down the street because you walk with your back against the fence. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that was brutal. Like darting across the street to try to get like patches of sun coming mm-hmm. in between buildings, like Certainly. just for a second, and try to avoid the ice on the sidewalk. And mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah, the whole deal. Um, so, all right, so five years old, you get your first Play-Doh magic kit, and you're doing your first show, and when did you know, like, so you said you thought it went really well, that first, very first show, so were you just, like, instantly hooked, like, you became obsessive of it? Obsessed. Yeah. Absolutely obsessed. And if you talk to most magicians, they will tell you that every magician pretty much has the same story. Okay. They're all a little socially awkward. They all hate sports, and uh, they all have been doing magic since they were five. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it, it's, it's just a lot of, especially males, get very interested in magic. And then a lot of them kind of leave that alone by the age of 12 or so, and then, you know, some of us don't. <laughs> I think that's when I picked up the skateboard was 12. 
So that's like, yeah, if put I, down if the I magic. Yeah, put yeah, down yeah. the magic. Yeah. If, if I put I down the magic, get the skateboard. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind of what happens. God, I just watch cartoons from, like, birth to present day. I don't have any hobbies or interests. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an art director now. Yeah, yeah. You make art stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm... I don't know what my credit is. I put onset on my invoice, and then I got the call sheet and it said prop master. I'm I'm at lunch right now from yeah, a, on a lunch show. break at the moment. Um, and I'm just like, oh my god, I got like such a huge promotion from onset dresser to prop master. That's a great title. Yeah. Who doesn't want you non-union fight, prop you, master? You fight for those titles. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Um. But wait. So, where does magic? From five, so you keep doing it. Do you do you consistently keep doing shows from five to like mm-hmm. present day? Absolutely. Or do you do still do shows? I do. I do about hundred shows a year right now. Right. Okay. Um, but that's on a you know not a full time basis. When I was full time, I was doing a little over four hundred a year. Yeah. That's so. That's awesome. That's and are you yeah. are you like touring? You all based out of L A. or? Oh, uh, mostly L A. Occasionally okay. Vegas or okay. You know, but it's all I, I don't like flying with my act anymore. Yeah. That was getting stuff through TSA was such a nightmare. Oh my god! Because oh the, yeah, <laughs> because the computer that used to run my show now it's run on an app, but the computer looks exactly like a bomb. I mean, it's got a giant LED. It's homemade. It's got a giant LED countdown to keep track of cues and stuff. Uh-huh. And it's <laughs> it was a nightmare. So do you have when you say run your show? Did you build in like lighting cues, music cues? Not and all even lighting. Stuff it's just this? mostly music cues and then okay. some other secret stuff. That okay. You don't know is controlled by remote. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Very cool. That's um, awesome. That's I forget nice. about that because you were, you're got to travel with your stuff. Oh yeah, you're a magician. You got like odd, <laughs> a ton of odd stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, and you make one mistake with them, and you're you're you're, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what was like the worst? Did you ever like get grounded from a flight or anything? Um, no, I've never missed a flight as a result of it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, there's been, you know, like, the, the worst is when you lose an expensive prop. Like, I like the scissors you need to cut a pair of rope, uh, to cut a rope is, it's a really expensive pair, mm-hmm. and they're super sharp. And, you know, they'll, you can lose stuff like that. I've lost Leatherman's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah, Just, like, yeah. very annoying. Like, I, I gotta get another one of those? Because yeah. they're, like, nice things that are supposed to last you your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, well, I love, my favorite thing about speaking of Leatherman. Should we tell what they are? Oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. a it's a multi tool. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know multi tool, it's a like metal handle that's got pliers and knives, knives. and all sorts of cool stuff so in it. Maybe a little scissors. And the right saw. Thing. Have you used the saw? Oh, the saws are the, great. It's one of the most underrated items on that. Yeah, I've done a whole two by four with one of those in like fifteen seconds. It, I mean, it's I didn't shocking. do the two by four in fifteen seconds. It took more about thirty minutes, but oh well, you probably didn't have it mounted in. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holding it between your knees. Like, yeah, yeah. If you mount that, you can cut a two by four in half in about twenty seconds, which is pretty sweet with that thing you can keep in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah, We're going to have a link to Leatherman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this episode of IndieCred is brought to you by Leatherman Tools. I love them. I they're, love them. This great. is an unsolicited endorsement, you guys. <laughs> we really love it. But the thing is, I stopped buying them because like, they do the lifelong guarantee. Like, you ever break your Leatherman, um, you know, just mail it in. We'll send you a new one. Like, yeah, but you lose those things, you know, within six months of buying them. A hundred percent of the time, you never break a Leatherman because yeah, they're break you, you, Yeah, you lose them, you don't break them. Yeah, or people take them. Yeah, people take them stick, on a set. Sticky fingers on set. Oh, I don't lend mine out anymore. Yeah, no more. No, 
<laughs> so you don't travel with your show, but you so you do shows in California still? Mm-hmm. Mostly, um, almost entirely SoCal. I okay. definitely want to check out a show. Sure. Time. Yeah, you're gonna have to keep in touch on that one. Absolutely. Uh, first magician on the show, actually. Your first magician on IndieCred. Oh, very cool. So, what are some magiciany things I want? Well, to know? I want to know more about just like doing shows and stuff like that because um, I mean, like, what sort of venues are you doing? Like. Up close tabletop magic. You're doing the sleight of hand stuff. Big illusions. I mean, I'm sure you run the gambit in many ways. But what's your what's I your do. jam? Um, my specialty is doing um, in-house family parties. Okay. So for a wide a wide range of people. Oh yeah, family friendly. Yeah, family friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's my market. I forget um, about that opening up so many doors because everything I do just says. A lot of bad stuff all the time. <laughs> That's a, yeah. I didn't. That didn't even click in my. Yeah, it, and uh, it's great because no other magician really wants to do the venues I want to do. So okay. there's very little competition in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's so cool. So do you? When you start out, do you like? You have to start booking yourself, basically. So do you have to find the venue and then start promoting the thing and then book your? Do you get an opening? I event? have. You know, I guess you could say four-walled, but, um, and that's really industry term, but no, uh, usually it's someone books me and pays me and then okay. we, we do that. I don't do a lot of public shows where you're selling tickets and that sort of thing. I'll okay. do fundraisers, but then usually the PTO or the promoter will take care of selling the tickets gotcha, gotcha. and you just get your cut, which is nice. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, about 95% of my shows are just all word of mouth. Oh, or cool. people that have seen my show and then book me, mm-hmm. which is great because you don't have to sell yourself at all. Yeah, like they understand your product, they book it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's really. And to be doing like that little amount of like marketing and uh, like the pushing and like seeking out gigs and stuff like that, which is the worst part of doing anything, and still be doing it a hundred shows a year, you know, twice weekly on average, like that's pretty great word of mouth like you it's gotta awesome. have, yeah that's a it's really good awesome. market makes because, it a little bit more magical yeah all right to sell a hundred shows a year is <laughs> <laughs> to sell a hundred shows a year is easy to sell 400 shows a year is very difficult sure yeah. that's where you actually have to go out and get you know there's terms like customer cost of customer acquisition and all that kind of stuff mm. uh, that takes work okay that well what's what's the deal with that like if you were gonna go back to like full time on your hustle, want to hit four hundred shows a year? What what's the process of all that? Um, in terms of, I mean, you have to plan months in advance. You mm-hmm. have to figure out. Uh, you have to go to like uh, trade shows and showcases. Um, a lot more networking. It's also a lot more. Uh, I really don't have to worry about selling my same client a different show. Okay. Whereas you know that's like. You know, if you do a birthday party for them, then you have to worry about selling them like a corporate Christmas party or something else like that. I can just take it easy right now. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that is nice. Less hustle, just chilling. You get time to fucking make a movie. Dang it, I said a bad word. <laughs> I'll believe it. I've been trying so hard to not say bad words. That's why I've been acting so weird. <laughs> but yeah, that's like, I get that so much. Just the word of mouth and then like, okay, I can focus on movie i want to make movies so Mm -hmm. you get that going but then also like you get to go have the fun of a performance which is really like important to me in life is like getting a live performance out every once in a while it's like pretty good oh absolutely yeah it's it's like having an audience that gathers together um in very often strangers gathering together to witness something like that 
and it's a one-time event, and then everyone it yeah. just dissolves mm-hmm. and it's gone forever. It's really neat. Have you noticed people wanting more magic recently? Because Is there a spike in magic demand? Because I, <laughs> I went to a magic thing recently that I've never been to, but it was in a big event, and I was like, magic is pretty cool. I was like watching yeah. it like, magic is cool, and then I've been thinking more about it. Like, I watch too much comedy. I want to see more. Yeah. Di- I want to see different stuff. Well, I think with people who like, people like us who consume a lot of stand-up and like improv and just like TV and movies and stuff like that, there's almost like this... Uh, and growing up with like Fox's magic secrets revealed mm-hmm. and stuff like that, there's uh, there's like this stigma around like magic sometimes until you get exposed to it. Like I think it was like four or five years ago, I worked on this magic competition game show and just hanging out. Do back, I say, what was it called? Uh, Wizard Wars. Oh, okay. Were you on Wizard Wars? I was not. On Wizard oh, okay, Wars. <laughs> I was gonna say. But I mean, I, I know Chris Gerhardt, Penn and Teller. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I worked with all those guys. I did both seasons of that show. Nice. Um, and, uh, like, hanging out with the guys backstage and to, like, you know, kill time between takes and stuff, everybody was just doing up-close magic to freak out the crew. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, I finally saw it for, like, the skill set that it was, and then, like, that led me to, like, enjoy the performance of it, and then I, like, got way more into it yeah. and the years following it you know um it's i just, think it's yeah it's a different kind of performance art that's like oh yeah i can appreciate a lot more i guess a little bit older in life yeah well, because you like it a lot when you're a kid and then you become some comedian who thinks everything's a joke right yeah totally <laughs> but i mean yeah. like just the i'm fascinated with the art of sleight of hand i think it's the coolest thing in the world because i still wish i could do it well you can you just have to like do it thousand for hours? ten thousand hours. Yeah, yeah. Thing, right? <laughs> Wait, so Pitt and Teller, you you say you know them. You've worked with them before, right? I have. I've done. Uh, I've known Penn for like nine years or so. Mm-hmm. Actually, we became friends because we were both uh, really big fans of Tiny Tim. Do you know like Tiny the Tim? singer? Yeah, Tiny Tim. Yeah, I love Tiny Tim. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was going to be an auction for some of his personal possessions, and okay. I'm like, okay, there's going to be two serious. And I knew Penn was a Tiny Tim fan. I'm like, okay, there's going to be two bidders for this. Two serious bidders. It'll be me and Penn, and I don't want to get into a bidding war with him. Um, and then my friend, I knew my friend Michael Godot uh, knew Penn and was on a co-host on his radio show and everything. So I, I emailed Godot and said, you know, can you put me in touch with Penn and uh, we'll figure out because I don't want to get into a bidding war with him. And he said, <laughs> sure. And uh, yeah, and then Penn and I connected and we've been uh, friends ever since. Nice. Yeah. What kind of really cool Tiny Tim stuff do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Tiny Tim is a novelty musician. I don't know if you know anything. I, have, you, I don't know. know. I'm a novelty <laughs> musician. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> he got married on television. I was like obsessed with like, when I saw that, I was like, I want to get married on TV really. But when I was a kid. Wait, wait, so who was Tiny Tim? Famous for what? What tune would I know Tiny Tim Tiptoe Through the Tulips. He's a big, giant guy that would sing Tiptoe Through the Tulips in a high falsetto voice. Huh. Like, really weird. Okay. Very animated. All right. Uh, oh, weird dude. Okay, cool. I'll, have to show, I'll show you yeah. some stuff. All right. Yeah. I love Tiny Tim. But wait, so you're in a bidding war. Did you get in the bidding war? Actually, uh, neither of us ended up buying either of this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> Dang it! I wasn't. I mean, uh, it, it was uh, it was a little high. Okay. I can imagine. Yeah. But I have a lot of I have some of Tiny Tim's personal possessions. Yeah. Um, 
But that's how you guys met, was just mm-hmm. because of that. And then we, uh, then I was going to be in Vegas, and we met after a show and hung out and shouted, and we've been uh, friends ever since, yeah. That's awesome. Very cool, yeah. yeah. Do you guys ever uh, get to work together or perform together or anything I was like a that? producer on uh, two seasons of Penn & Teller Fool Us, which oh, is okay. on the CW network. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I worked in the, doing all the background packages, along with, of course, a lot of other producers yeah. and editors that really make those good. So mm-hmm. the background packages are the 45 second uh, packages that uh, introduce the performer. Right. And it's challenging because, like I said before, every magician has the exact same story. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you <laughs> yeah. have to every season produce 60 packages. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's always well. I got this magic kit when I was five, and yeah. I was a bit socially awkward, and I didn't like sports, so I became obsessed with it. I want to yeah. start listening to podcasts about music, magicians' lives and like the same stories. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Oh man, well, that's all poor white people too. I mean, we all like they all have like the same story, and then we become pieces of shit when we get the money, and then the cycle continues. I can't wait to have money. <laughs> be a piece of shit. Yeah, it's coming. So how it's did coming, Zane? I'm assuming the magician doing like stuff for TV because you were a magician, like that's how you got into the TV work. Yeah, right? I, you know, I uh, I wrote something that sold very quickly. Um, a friend of mine that I went to magic camp with, a gentleman named Matt Lash was a producer out here. That's a cool and, name. Yeah, right? Lash. He's a great guy. He's great. Uh, we went to Magic Camp when we were kids. Um, and I stayed in touch with him. And he came out here and started working on, like, Deal or No Deal and worked his way up very quickly. And uh, him and I collaborated on this project. And uh, we sold it very quickly. Uh, it ended up going nowhere. But um, that gave me a little bit of taste of TV. And I'm like... And also, it gave me a little bit of a false perspective. I'm like, wow, that was the first thing I ever worked on, and it sold almost instantly. This is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Was it a, it was a TV pilot? It was or? a competition reality show oh, okay. with magicians and so forth. Okay, yeah. cool. Wizard I, Wars before Wizard Wars. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of. Actually, eerily similar. Yeah. yeah. But no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that was years ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Long time ago. And then... So I caught you, your story producer at Alaska Last Frontier. Before that, how, how, how big of a gap is that? How long have you been in L.A.? Seven years. Seven years? Actually, no, it's 2018, isn't it? Yeah. It's now eight years. It'll eight be years. eight years on February 1st. February 1st. I came around the beginning of the year, too, so I just hit my five-year mark. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does It, fe- it feels like home now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it takes like two years. You're in Burbank? Or do we don't want to disclose that information? I live in LA. So, but <laughs> I specifically though, when I moved to Burbank, slippery magicians—they're the hardest <laughs> interview subjects. They don't tell you anything. Oh, yeah, where's your? It's all a secret with you guys. Uh, well, I'm just saying, like, moving to Burbank really did hit the nail on the coffin for me because, like, it reminds me enough of. Is, wait, is that in this metaphor? LA is your grave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And moving to Burbank was the final nail in the coffin. I'm here forever. (laughs) No, it just was chill enough to be like, oh, I can just go have the fun over the hill, but then come back over here and ride my skateboard without people in the way all the time. Mm, It's pretty nice. I like living in the dirt and grime, baby. (laughs) 
I feel like there's uh, more sunshine in Burbank, and I just I don't want to be that happy. Yeah, I like it. My <laughs> Nika really likes the sunshine, so I need to keep Nika happy too. So it's important. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we lived in Little Armenia our first year, oh, okay. and it was like we just had some bad neighbors. Oh, so it was like a, a, a rough first year to be like, God damn it, everyone in the home was right, mm-hmm. and I don't want to tell them. And then, uh, <laughs> and then it got better. I was like, No, they were wrong. They were right for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, you were saying like it does. It takes about two years to settle in because this is fully it's, adjust. Yeah, it's a weird place. It's not mm-hmm. like any other city, and like especially if you never lived in like a major city. Like I grew up outside of Chicago, but I never like lived in the loop or downtown or anything like that so it was like going from suburbs to a college that was basically a cornfield to <laughs> la wow yeah so it was like it took about two years i think yeah, so but i was amazed when i came here at how much more respect people have here for the arts oh yeah. and like in magic in particular mm-hmm. because in connecticut it's kind of like you know it's not the loftiest People don't have the loftiest opinion of magic. Yeah. But coming here, they go, wow, it's amazing. And, mm-hmm. yeah. of course, we have the Magic Castle in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then they have, like, the Brooklyn thing or whatever. There's, like, Brooklyn, a whole, yeah. like, world. I just kind of got introduced oh, you, to yeah. Oh, yeah, and you've been to Brooklyn, right? Yeah, for the first time, like, we went, me and Chris went to a friend of mine, Chris. I don't think you've actually ever met him, so I said that. Like okay. you, you know Chris, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, we got to go to this thing, and that's where I saw magic recently and got way back into it. And uh, I met you, like, right after that, so the timing was perfect. But, um, yeah, that whole, like, community was, like, something I did not know about. And it's, like, such a strong, very friendly community. It is. It's great. I, I love the magic community. Yeah. So, now the, uh, I mean, I'm sure I know the answer to this. I think I know the answer to it. And it might be I can't tell you. But <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, Go for so, it. I'm well, excited. All right. If you can't tell me, you can't tell me. But, like, the whole thing with, like, illusions and building illusions and keeping them from the public, the commoners, if you will, civilians, mm-hmm. um, you guys within the community, you have to talk shop and trade secrets and, like, work on illusions together and collaborate and stuff like that, like... You're grinning at me like you're not going to no, give me an I, answer. I just, I lo- no, no, I love that you're using the term illusions. It's very Doug Henning of you. I don't know um, if I'm supposed to use the word illusion or not. Almost like, you know, I was like, is that offensive? To <laughs> it's not. It's no, no. real magic. Yeah. Um, I prefer tricks, but yeah. Tricks, okay. Tricks. Well, I mean, I learned that from Arrested Development. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Everybody uh, yeah, such a great character, though. Oh, yeah. Um, really, I haven't heard about it. No one's ever mentioned it to yeah, me. Yeah, no, I was ever. trying to not go there. <laughs> Colin. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, but, like, it is, like, to speak of, like, the community and, like, the collaborative nature of it. To speak of it. Speak of it. Please. <laughs> I don't understand. The, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> do you guys disclose secrets to each other? We know how they work. Yeah, you don't even yeah. need to? No, you don't need to. Does there, is there ever like a time where it's like, I just can't figure it out? Yeah, you know, occasionally I'm fooled, but okay. uh, it's a very rare, very rare moment. Would that be yeah. like a compliment that like somebody were to come up to you who knows like very well how this stuff works? He's like, how did you do that? Oh yeah, I mean, there are tricks that I've developed to just fool magicians. Yeah. And they're okay. usually not that entertaining because there's a lot of process in them mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's fun to fool magician i get the pride in that because like the whole hologram thing is that's just so i can be like 
I didn't do that in post. I did that. I made a real hologram. Mm-hmm. It's literally the only reason I want to do it. Well, it's the it's, floating launchable. Yeah, exactly. That should be the first image that you uh, project on your new hologram is just a launchable <laughs> floating <in> space. <laughs> And then see if I can. That yeah, we'll, set cool. it, we'll set it to I you. I still have it if you want it. Yeah. It's for sale. No, we <laughs> have to build a hologram. <laughs> I'll just scan, 3D scan it so I can make the hologram. There you go. I need a 3D scanner, though. If you got one. <laughs> I think now we're just going in three, circles. Yeah. We're yeah. getting further from the problem the more yeah. problem solving we're doing. Man, making movies, making magic, pen and teller. Is there anything you don't do? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm really. I'm I can't keep a lack I can't fold a shirt to save my life. Really? Yeah. I just learned a new fo- shirt folding technique. I taught you that shirt yeah. folding technique. We've been printing it... shirts in the garage. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's like the. So is it the life changing magic of tidiness? That fold? No, I found it on YouTube. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that a specific fold? I don't know about. Yeah. No, you've never, you haven't heard about the life changing ma- the book, the life changing magic of tidiness. Yeah, it's know. like uh, like a self help book where you're supposed to like clear out your life of clutter, or what have you. Yes. Exactly. Oh, you're telling yeah. me yeah. to do that with the. We're <laughs> talking to a legitimate hoarder and uh, props guy. So like, I did. I had Zane over at my apartment, and I gave him like two enormous bins of stuff that I just couldn't have in my apartment anymore because. I can't live that way. <laughs> but so that's awful. why I have the garage, though, is for this. Yeah. Because before we had the garage, I, we talked about this in the podcast so many times. But like, <laughs> we used to like throw the green screen up in the living room and move mm-hmm. all the furniture and leave it up for weeks. And it was like my girlfriend couldn't live like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Instead of uh, taking over the living room, you've just taken over the garage. Yeah, yeah. Nobody can park the two in here. Two-car garage that no one's allowed to park in. There's, no, like I said, Burbank Park, tons of parking in this town. It is very good. That easy. is the advantage of the valley. Yeah. It was good luck. I've got a show in WeHo, mm. uh, West Hollywood, coming uh, in a few hours. And I'm like, oh, I might just Uber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because might... it's, it's on, yeah. Yeah, because you'll get there, but you don't, you don't factor in the 30 minutes of parking. If you're lucky. Yeah. Mm. It's so crazy. We we're just talking about how magical the city is, but <laughs> parking's not magical here. Ah, uh, yeah, that would so, be a fun illusion. How long of a set is like? I guess you could do different. It, it oh, varies. Yeah. But what was like? A, what was like at the? If you were doing a big showcase, what would be your normal runtime of a show? Like a showcase? You mean a showcase as in like you come, you, you, you're coming you to see me, show. Dan? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Show. Sorry, showcase is something different. Um, yeah, hey, I'm always so, I'm so used to like comedian stuff. It's like, are you gonna go do a five minute set? Oh, you got a ten minute set? You know? Uh, usually thirty or forty five. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. That's a good long show. I mean, how long did it? And you were saying you have different sets that cater to different you know situations, a party versus like a corporate oh, event or whatever. Um, I mean, how long does it take you to build 40 minutes of tricks? Uh, like that's it's like 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it forever. Forever, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I now have a large collection of magic, and it's really cool. I, mm-hmm. You know, if I want, especially like if someone like when Rob uh, called about the Lunchables thing, I'm like, oh, okay, I know what I'm going to do. Go to, the where, go to the warehouse and build some things, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to go. Yeah. 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 That was, uh, so... From my time at Wizard Wars, I was pretty, like, not shocked. I was surprised and, like, very impressed because I was doing props on that show. And I was like, oh, every contestant on here 
is like a more experienced prop builder than I am. Oh yeah, and these oh, yeah. are like the guys who are like, I mean, you're doing it for a living, but it's also like all wrapped in. You guys are self building mm-hmm. everything, and a lot of gaffers tape. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that, that's the magician's best friend is gaffer. Did tape. you have gaff tape before you moved to LA? Of course, I did not even know what you didn't even know what until gaff- I went to film school, a community college film school. Yeah, I had no idea what it was. I've been using shitty duct tape forever until that point. No, I have. I've been using gaff tape for forever. It came with the Play-Doh kit when he was five. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you gotta, I would have been roll a two-inch black. Yeah, oh, I feel I, like I'd be double the ahead of myself if I had gaff tape when I was five. I mean, I I would have accomplished so much more. I've had so many props break backstage, and mm-hmm. I've put them together with gaffer's tape, and gone on and done them, and it, it mm-hmm. works. I love the. the the similarities of get like my life and a magician's life, <laughs> like the little things that are so happy. Mm-hmm. Gaff tape, gaff tape, a magician's best friend. Are you still like developing stuff every once in a while? Constantly, yeah, yeah, constantly, yeah. Um, working on a trick called the Miser's Dream right now, where you produce dozens and dozens of points out of the air. Oh man, yeah. I want to see that. It's fun. I love. It's that. really challenging. It's yeah. very difficult. The slights involved are really hard. Yeah. I think my favorite kind of magic is magic that makes a mess, that leaves a like fifty-two card pickup is like a favorite prank. That's not a magic trick, but when magicians do like a thing where shit just flies. God dang it! I curse uh, you. Been, you when, let go of that dream a long time ago. When I stuff just flies everywhere, I like it. I used to do a trick. Uh, I don't do it very, a lot anymore. For this reason, but snowstorm in China. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that where one. You, <laughs> what where, is it? Uh, you take a piece of tissue paper, uh, you soak it in water, you pull out the wad, and you squeeze it, and then snow or confetti shoots out of your hands, and it goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, thousands of pieces of confetti. It goes all over the audience and everything. So and you can also put snow machines or uh, those fake snow machines that produce like that bubble. Yeah. It's like foam stuff, and it looks just like regular snow. It's what mm-hmm. we use in movies. You can also hide those um, in the wings and have that go out at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. then it's a sticky, <laughs> yeah, sk- yeah, yeah, confetti yeah. All everywhere. All the papers moist from the oh, foam, yeah. and it's yeah, yeah. I like That's this. Fun. And so then you really walk cool. off stage and send in craft services, and they sweep it up for eight yeah, hours. Be a cool <laughs> illusion for swamp rats, but if it was blood snow, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I do know what you're saying. I do you're want to start color it. Blood. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, blood snow. That could be that could be on their uh, winter album. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Instead of Blood we, Beach, they'll yeah. do Blood Snow. We'll do that next winter. Blood Snow. Yeah, man, that's cool. So what, what was it called? Because I want to look. That it's called Snowstorm in China. Snowstorm in China, and there's just different variations. There's all yeah. It's a very bigger. old trick, and then my friend uh, Kevin James came up with a cool way. You used to use a. Uh, uh, a fan in your hands mm-hmm. and you used to a hand fan and you used to wave really hard to try to make it snow and my friend Kevin James came up with some uh, technology that allows you to do that without the fan at all and you just rub your hands together and the confetti shoots out everywhere and yeah, it comes cool. down and it looks just like snow man it's really neat so do a lot of magicians end up doing this kind of stuff for movies like I would assume no 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 no, no. There's a couple of guys that are out here doing it. I also did um, a lot of special effects for, um, oh gosh, what's the name of the play? Carrie the Musical oh. on the East Coast touring version, which Carrie, if you think about that, yeah. there's a lot of opportunity for magic. So we did some pretty neat things. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Were you working with blood in this? 
Uh, actually, there was no blood. There was a problem with the stage that you couldn't have blood on the stage or wow. something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but all the telekinesis effects. All, all, all yeah, chairs yeah. move, doors yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a levitating crucifix that was in it. Uh-huh. Uh, it, was, it. Actually, that was an original levitation that I came up with specifically for that. Okay. That was really neat. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah, that was good. I like consulting. It's fun. Yeah. It's good stuff. I did a uh, I did a horror room once. I don't know if I ever talked about this on the show. My, I don't know. My haunted I, I like haunted this. kitchen set yeah, that I, I built. want you to talk about it. Okay, so it was oh, wow. It was like you know all the slamming cabinets and stuff like that, and um, we had all the like cabinet doors like spring loaded on uh, those like hard metal uh, hinges. We built them into the ca- uh, cabinet doors, and. Um, had like monofilament going everywhere and like rods that controlled all the drawers <laughs> and they were filled with spoons so it was like really noisy and like obnoxious um and i like loved it and i was like really proud of the rig and stuff like that the only problem was it took about uh nine people to operate <laughs> <Yeah>. the room because <laughs> everybody's got two hands like yanking on I mean, you're listening to this so you can't see the, how i'm moving my arms <laughs> but everybody's doing this with their arms and yeah um but i loved like I thought it was the funniest thing. I don't know if I still have the video, but I shot video of nine people like swinging their arms like crazy because the behind the scenes thing was like way more interesting to me <laughs> than, than what was happening. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, than the actual set that we built. You told me you would just jump out and spray stuff with like oh yeah, spider that was webs, fun. yeah, like when people would walk by. Yeah, that was yeah. a fun one. Yeah, and that's one of the challenges in making magic is uh, I'm a solo performer, so I have sure. to figure out how. How am I going to get the prop there? How is it going to set up really quickly? How is it going to be durable? And how am I going to be able to pull the whole thing off just by myself yeah. without, you know, having a crew? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a couple of Vegas performers. One guy that makes a car appear, and that takes twelve people. Sure. You know? Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> or it takes magic. I don't know. I'm not yeah. going to judge. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Okay. So being a, and then some magicians have like their partner. Or like, you know, they have... What the, do they call The assistants. The assistants, yeah. I was going to say valet. That's a wrestling term. <laughs> really? I've never heard that. Yeah, like their valet. Wait, uh, but I don't think they have valets anymore, really. Because women's wrestling is like its own thing now. But mm-hmm. um, back in the oh, day... Oh, I like, was thinking of like Paul Bearer. Is he not? A, is he a valet? <laughs> no. I so thought valet like, was just like fancy word for butler. No, it was like the the beautiful woman that would walk the wrestler to the ring would be the valet. Gotcha. Okay. And then... They they became wrestlers later on, right. and then like now it's like everyone's jacked and it's nuts. But uh, I'm really into wrestling. <laughs> I can tell. But yeah, so the assistant and you, solo performer, having all of this stuff, flying with all that would have been a pain. god, because you don't have a team. No, it's just me. Yeah. Are you um, like? Do you have performance? ambitions to like expand to like those massive stage shows no. or do like no no thank you that's not your gambit <laughs> yeah no thank you it's i mean running a las vegas show mm-hmm. is a nightmare sure because now it's all do you guys get into the term i think i brought it up before four walling you mentioned it yeah, but i don't so, know what it so four walling means that you rent the theater you pay for all the advertisements you pay for you deal with the unions and it's all you Wow. That yeah. Sounds like a nightmare. How do you even do a show without, like... You, you find someone that will loan you the money. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. And, you know, you're competing against Cirque. 
Mm-hmm. You know, people go to Vegas just to see Sir. Sure. Or even yeah. Pat and Teller. They're doing, what, nightly shows? Mm-hmm. Or five nights a week at mm-hmm. least? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I mean, that's... So and think about how much... I mean, Cirque probably spends, I don't know, $400,000 a week per show in direct advertisement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would guess. Yeah, I would much rather want to use that time and money on a movie. Than, <laughs> Absolutely. Than, than, like, yeah. Well, and think about a it A live show that you like, don't even know people are going to... Yeah. Yeah, well, the um, investment for a one-time performance, too, is astronom- uh, astronomical. You could spend, mm-hmm. what, 200 grand trying to fill some of these, like, big stages... And that's for a night. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're paying all the stagehands, like, you gotta pay him, like, the refrigerator bill and stuff. In yeah, there. I had a friend of mine do this just recently. He uh, four-walled a casino, and he had a big stage show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it for a week. He made 120000 and it cost him 110000 to do it. Oh, man. And it was about four months of work. So he made 10000 bucks in for four, four months. months. Wow. Four months. I mean that goes to the, that's like almost like a passion project at that point. Oh yes, point. you yeah. know you're, you're certainly not making the... minimum wage the amount of hours it takes. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta love it. But that's what this podcast is about, man. The love <laughs> of doing something. Mm-hmm. You start doing it before your any money is involved. You're five and you wanna just do magic, and then it becomes like it's a, it becomes a thing in your life that's like this whole, th- it's you. It's weird. And then money gets involved. Yes. Yeah. And money always gets involved, though. Not always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, mean, I bet you okay. there's a lot of people no, no, who no. are like, I don't know, man. I don't think money necessarily is going to get involved it here. Got, no, money got involved in the sense that they had to stop. Because, oh, yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I have to go somewhere else to make money. Yeah, money stopped their dream. That's, yeah, that's what, I, that's what happened to me. I've been lucky. I've never had a real job. Yeah, outside of show business, I mean, at all. You've never swept the floors at an Albertsons. No. Wow. No. That's crazy. So when did you? So when was like your first? You said eight years ago is when you came out here and you got uh, really fortunate and your first like TV project was successful. Um, well, at least to the point. Like, well, yeah. At least to the point of selling. It. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. on TV. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but it led you to quasi yeah. successful. Yes, <laughs> being able to make a living off TV, like no matter how much, even like just enough to get by, to me is like awesome. Well, unless you're a laborer. Would you... <laughs> if you're like if you're below the line, like union jobs and stuff like that, you can make a good living. Yeah, no, I'm saying like even if I'm just like doing it enough. To get oh. like jumping from job to job. Oh, yeah. I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I, you mean it's cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like it. That's what I do for a living right now. It's like, and it's. I thought, yeah, okay. I and before this, I did have like I cleaned graffiti, mm-hmm. which was actually pretty sweet. But uh, wow. I've had tons of jobs where I was like, I can't do this for life. Mm-hmm. But here I'm like, oh, different. The, every, each job is different, even if it's the same, and it's like. Yeah. You know, it's fun. Interesting. But without ever having like a minimum wage or a nine to five cubicle gig, you must have had like pretty decent success with magic like early on, like like high school age or college or uh I would say well I the timing of this worked out really well. Okay. Uh the Mass Magician specials were on when I was in I don't know, eighth eighth grade or so. That sounds about right. Uh yeah. and then I became kind of uh, which actually generated a lot of interest in magic and actually it sold birthday parties really well mm-hmm. 
Also, at the time, the Harry Potter books were just coming out. Okay. And also, uh, I was really big into entrepreneurship. And uh, I just started, you know, doing a lot of shows and, you know, eventually formed my own company. Okay. Um, and it just, just kept selling and selling and taking it, you know. Which is super indie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is perfect for this podcast. Oh, yeah. Man. So, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Harry Potter definitely had helped in that oh, world. Oh, certainly. Did you, was, like, curate your act towards, like, towards, like, the Harry Potter fans? Um, I did little... for, like, li- for selling library programs. That really helped out a lot. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I got, I believe that's how I got into the library circuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, in the, I'm picturing it, like, the brightly colored... Uh, room in the basement of the library with the pads on the floor and stuff like that. And like, oh yeah, that was me. I, I love that. That's and so I cool. loved it. And I used to get a lot of press out of those. Okay, uh, I would always get a newspaper article, which helped with my press kit. So now, sure. whenever you would, you know, if you were interested in booking me, I used to. Now nowadays, it's just the website. But uh, if you were interested in booking me, I would send you a press kit, and it would be like just a stack of every newspaper article I ever had about yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just because I started doing a lot of library shows, I was doing uh, at least 100 of them a year. Um, I would just I get a newspaper article every single time out of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what was I just going to ask That's you? That's super smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you going to find the question? No, it's somewhere in my brain, <clears throat> but I'm like uh, right now, what I'm thinking is like somebody else say something. I need, I need more oh, time. I, I was hearing the footsteps <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> Everything was. Uh, we man. took a really long hiatus from interviewing people, and we weren't that good at it to begin with. Yeah, so. part of indie credits, we're also indie in the sense of making the podcast. We don't know what we're doing, <laughs> and we're figuring it out as we go. Uh, no, but like, oh, I, I remembered. You're doing great. Thank you. I remembered my question. Is yours better than mine? No. Okay. Uh, I was just talking. I didn't have one. I just wanted to hear more about the beginnings because that's let's, my favorite. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. And then I'll, I'll try I'm to so keep curious, it. I'm so curious, though. Well, we're, cause we're, I'll get to it before we end. We we're got, almost we got a few hour. minutes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> but he, before you even interrupted, we were just talking about the beginnings of entrepreneurship. And I think that like that's a big part of anyone's journey is the minute you got to be like, I have to do a lot of work or this won't happen at all. And you did that, and that's awesome to me. And uh, so did you go from straight from Connecticut, because you've been here for seven years. Mm -hmm. What was the next step to there? Was there like a spot that was like good for Magic to move to? Or did you just move? I just moved. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I packed everything I could into a six by 12 foot box trailer. And came here. And came here. Yeah. Yeah. I drove cross country at forty five miles per hour because that was the maximum speed that you could go with that. That you could go towing a box trailer. Yeah, and this is everything in your life, like you know, uh, I'm imagining like a bed frame and an end table, but then also I didn't even years that. It was, of it was all magic. Yeah, years of tricks and years yeah. of that's crazy. Yeah, I came out here. I really didn't know anybody. I had one friend. Uh-huh. I had no jobs lined up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you that's, just start doing that's shows? That's Like going to shows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started doing shows and, uh, you know, I joined the Magic Castle mm-hmm. and uh, I started networking with other magicians and we started passing gigs back and forth. And, nice. Uh, yeah. Magic Castle. I still have not been to the Magic Castle. I can't believe I've been to go. Brooklyn, but I haven't been to the Magic Castle. Brooklyn is the harder one to get into. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that was a fluke, but uh, <laughs> that's how I found out I needed to go to the Magic Castle, though, was I went to that thing. 
Because it's the showroom where like magicians used to show each other their. Like, yeah, you know what, do you guys should, like, should we explain what the Magic Castle is? Uh, yeah, let's and also the the Brooklyn as well. Because that's so that's like the is that like the Largo for stand-ups? Like before they go on tour, like they do their new well, stuff over there. Or there what? was co- there's there's comedians at the because it was the Brooklyn Follies is a show that they do, mm-hmm. and uh, they like. But it's where you like build your new well, tricks. Well, in the beginning it was. In the beginning, this where they had the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Follies is the Brooklyn. Whatever is it just called Brooklyn? Yeah, we just you probably know it's Bro- yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, but back in the day, I mean, I've only been once. You could That's- probably tell them what I mean. <laughs> I, what I was told was back in the day, the people like famous magicians of that time or who lived there, they would showcase their stuff for each other in this like little venue built onto the house. Okay, and now they host a show where they have like ridiculous magic acts and comedy acts and other stuff and like it was just a big fun time i don't know like a really cool show with like whoa you're never gonna these people are on tv right now and you're gonna see them do like this crazy stuff you've never seen before cool is what i took away from it that's pretty much right yeah okay and then and then the castle is a thirty thousand square foot mansion in the hollywood hills that has i think five bars in it and three main showrooms and there's magicians wandering the castle and doing magic tricks for each other and mm-hmm. for laymen and so forth. Uh, it was started, I think, in the 60s by these two brothers, Bill and Milt Larson. Uh, they were uh, TV producers and writers. I think they worked on Truth or Consequences. Um, and the Larson family, Larson family goes way back with magic. Um, Jerry Larson was the first woman to ever perform on TV. And then uh, their father was uh, Harry Houdini's personal attorney. Okay. So, uh, yeah, in, in the 60s, they took over the lease on this house, uh, brought it up to code, and they transformed it into a private magic club. And when it first opened, it used to be just for magicians. And then they finally realized, you know, <laughs> if, we, if we brought in spectators... This could be much more entertaining. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so it's kind of like open mics. Well, is you're just performing for <laughs> comedians. It's terrible. Yeah. It's like it sounds like going to a lot of improv shows I perform in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where it's just all comedians. Yeah. And well, and it's the same thing you were saying. Like when you're performing for a magician, when you're doing comedy to a comedian, they're like, "Yeah, I know where that joke's gone." It's like, yeah, I like I had you from the setup. Like yeah. I, I know where this is going. I know all the tricks too. Um, but That's it's hilarious. it's invite only, I think. The Correct. You have to be a member, or yeah. you have to know a member. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take you, Zane. It'll oh, be fun. Thank you want to go too? Sure. Sure. All right. This Magic Castle or Magic Castle? Yeah. Okay. Magic Castle. Yeah. yeah. So you are a member. I'm. I can just go with a member. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. As long as you're in dress code. Yeah. I've, right. I've, I've seen the show. Love. Super yeah, yeah. strict. Yeah. There's yeah. a jacket and tie. Did you see the show Love on Netflix? I did. There's and a, he gets yeah. kicked out for uh, doing a. For a dress code violation. That's right? the one thing it took away from that show was uh, <laughs> it's dress nice at the Magic Castle. Yeah, you it's, be... it's pretty accurate. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, a lot of rules, a lot yeah. of rules, and a lot of regulations. Yeah. So we're hitting an hour now. Is there anything we don't know about Dan that we need to know? I mean, I remembered my question. Do we want to? Do we want to dare ask? We're, are we going to close with it? Yeah, it's not okay. even that good. It's all so overhyped now. If it's such, um, we can do another one. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, do you have like a stage? Persona as they're like costuming. You see, this was like it would have been good like, like twenty this. minutes ago. I like the question. I want to know: is there like a character involved? Um, sure. I, I play an idiot. Basically. Okay. Basically, 
a well-dressed idiot. Oh, cool. Yeah. I play Which a is, slovenly idiot, but just is it, in my so, life. So, like, you don't... Is it like you play dumb to your own magic? Kind of, yeah. It's a lot of... Uh, the, the plot line is really a magician in trouble. Okay. And also, it, it helps that if you... If something really does go wrong, mm-hmm. it's much better if you're playing that character than if you're playing someone that's super serious. Right, things go agree. wrong all and the time. And it's it's so um, it's so like endearing to the audience and stuff like that because the thing I think maybe part of why people are like intimidated by magic or could be is just the idea of being completely outside of something, mm-hmm. like having no way to relate because the whole point is you don't know what's going on. Certainly. But to see the person on stage doing it also not know what's going on, it's like, oh, like we're all friends here. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I also, as a kid, I remember gravitate like gravitating to those characters more. I like just like people sure. who are like like me, like I miss them all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Gomer Piles. Yeah. Gilligan's, what have you. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ace Ventura is always like falling over and doing things terribly, yeah. but yeah. that's like his whole stick. Yeah, magic is just a vehicle for theater. Yeah. yeah. It's not in you I'm I'm sure you've heard it's not the song, it's the singer. Yeah. You know, and it's not it's not necessarily the trick, it's the performer and what sure. they add to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and their own spin on things. Nice. That's a beautiful ending. Very cool. I, I love think that. We're gonna, oh, yeah. well, guys, that was Dan Bowen. Do you have any like upcoming uh, events or you were talking about the movie? Anything you want to plug? Like, yeah, I got to show in a couple hours. But. Okay, yeah, <laughs> guys, uh, make it up we for that. We got to this out. I got to edit it right now. Get a time machine and go back in time like five weeks. <laughs> um, repeat, what was the name of the movie again? Automation. Automation, yes. Uh, and that's going to be coming out in some time in the future. <laughs> so we'll probably. It's in post, so we don't know. <laughs> If you're in post in a movie, you don't know when it's coming out. Unless it's like a Paramount. So why are you plugging it? It's coming out sometime. Because okay, I gotta get back I'm gonna to guess late. I'm going to guess late this year, early 2019. Oh, that's even... Will, that's will sooner out. than I Great. thought. Automation, yeah. look out for it. Dan Bowen, amazing magician. Thanks nice so much. Guy. Thank you so much, guys. This yeah, was fun. Good. Living in the shadow of